We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Home and home. All right, it is that time of day. It is Ask Reddit time here. On Home and Home, the Radio.com Sports Original. He is Jason Mertitas. I'm Ross Tucker. We're with you always until 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time live. Video as well as audio and always available on demand as well. Radio.com slash home and the Radio.com app. Today's Ask Reddit question is, Jason... And by the way, we'll get to Chad Pennington and the All-32 with the Jets in about 10 minutes. But the Ask Reddit question, when is a time you legitimately thought you were going to die? Do you have hmm. one, Jason? I have two. Um, I had post-concussion at one point, and I had migraine headaches that were so bad. I think I was like 14 years old. And I remember asking my mom to duct tape the curtains for the for the light that was coming in on the crack around the window. I thought that my head was just going to pop because the migraine headaches were so bad. But the other one, as an older, as an adult, I was driving to a bachelor party in Baltimore down 95. And as I'm driving down 95, there was two cars that kind of nipped each other in front of me. And the one car skidded straight in front of where I was coming. So I'm coming this way. And all I could think about as it was happening was NASCAR. Don't try and miss the car because if you try and miss the car, you'll hit the car, aim for the car and you'll miss it. And I missed it. It like went right across in front of me and I went right by it. I had to pull over at the next rest stop about a mile later and collect myself for about a half hour because I was so panicked. I thought that I was going to T-bone the guy at 85 miles an hour and I was going to be splattered all over the side of 95 in Maryland. But I survived it because of my quick wit and thinking and listening to the NASCAR analysts say, don't try and miss the car because you'll hit the car. <laughs> so you try to hit, you, you literally tried to hit the car? Well, your, your human reaction tells you, go where the car isn't, right? And when you do that, you turn to where the car is going and you meet at that intersection of a spot. But if you just aim for where the car is at that moment, it's going to go by and miss you. So I okay, went right so by the car because it's I moving at a high rate of speed. I how the car was going again. Why don't you aim for the opposite way? Because your human reaction always tells you to go to where 
it's just like your it just your reaction is just to go like that, and the car's coming this way, and you're gonna go, and you're gonna go boom, and you're gonna go right into it. That's why so many accidents happen. You tend not to go where the car just left. So I would have to turn to the right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you don't go. Your human reaction is to to go where the car is going towards, not where it's coming from. Right. I don't think I ever. <clears throat> I don't think I ever really legitimately thought I was going to die. I think that there were a few times that I was very concerned for my safety. Uh, Three in particular, really two, but one I will tell you that there was a time on a Buffalo Bills flight where I... I shit you not, dude. We were like a hundred feet above the ground, and all of a sudden we landed. Like it went douche. I, I had never experienced. I mean, I've been on hundreds of flights, and some of the guys in the NFL haven't been on that many flights. And when we landed, I mean, it was like the plane bounced up and down, and the captain came over the loudspeaker and said, gentlemen, congratulations, you just experienced. And I thought for sure he was going to say a plane crash, a plane crash. He called it wind shear. You just experienced wind shear. Now, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what the hell wind shear is, but I do know that when a plane lands, it lands like gradually on a plane, plane on a plane, and lands usually pretty smoothly. It might be a little bumpy. I'm telling you, if you would have looked out the window, we would have been a couple hundred feet above the ground. And then in a split second, I don't know what the hell wind shear is, dude, but we just went boom, like we were in a helicopter. Like we were in a helicopter and then we bounced a couple times. Like it was, and there were guys, I remember Sam Aiken was a wide receiver of North Carolina. He was holding on to the armrest so hard that (laughs) I thought he was going to snap him off. I mean, he was like, and everybody was, I mean, I I was concerned. I feel like I'm going to die every time I'm on a plane because it's unnatural. I just took my family down to Walt Disney World in August. And when we were landing at in Orlando, we know there's, there's storms there all the time. So we're making our approach in Orlando Airport, and we're getting ready to touch down. And then all of a sudden, the plane, you can hear the guy throw it into high gear and start taking off and going back up. And I'm going, like, what's going on here? Maybe there was wind shear or something like that, and they decided not to land. I'm expecting to hear that over the intercom. I wasn't expecting to hear there was a plane that had not cleared the runway yet. And I'm going, we were like 40 feet in the air and ready to land on top of a plane. Just at least lie to me. Don't tell me the real reason was we were about to T-bone another aircraft. So I didn't know that that plane was on the runway because you can only see out the side of the windows. But what was the dude looking at out of the front window? All right, I got you know? two more. I got two more we got to discuss. Might I not even have time for them. 
All right. So one was driving back from Camelback one year with my <laughs> oh, no. family. My daughters were very young. And even Route 80 was solid ice. And I don't know what happened. But as we were driving, all of a sudden, Jay, it's like we slipped on ice and the car alternated being on two wheels at a time right for a while, bounce back to left for a while, back to right for a while, back to left. And we were sort of going back and forth like that. I'm f almost 41. I'll be 41 Monday, okay? Never experienced that in a car before or after. It was not hydroplaning. I've tried to Google it. But we like we somehow slipped on the ice, and the next thing I know, for a while, the car kept feeling like it was going to tip over. First to the right, then to the left, and we were on two wheels at a time going like this in a Denali, in a Yukon, back and forth for at least a mile. My wife was freaking out. I mean, the kids were like in baby seats. The the, the older one was laughing because she thought she thought it was like a roller coaster. And just like you, we pulled over at the next rest stop and just had to collect ourselves. We thought about not driving anymore. We didn't know how bad the ice was going to be. But I don't know if I thought we were going to die, but... I definitely thought the car was going to tip over wow. and I was, and you know what I did? I didn't overreact and really go back the other way. I just kind of kept it steady. Cause I know you don't want to, especially in ice, you don't want to really go back hard the other way. Cause then we would have tipped it the other way. I, I still to this day have no idea what that was. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how the car got up on two wheels like that and then was going back and forth. Never experienced it before or after. I've tried to explain to people. Nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. That's tremendous composure by you to not oversteer it and to try and in an effort to get it under control. Wow. Maybe you should be a NASCAR driver. You'd be no, pretty good at it. Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> and and the only other one I'll get to later in the show. It involves a helicopter and me telling my wife to shut the bleep up, which I'm not real proud of, but I'll explain a little bit later. That was a helicopter. Now it's time to talk New York Jets. We'll have Chad Pennington with us, but first, let's take a look back at the Jets season that was. There is a lot of expectation on both sides of the ball, but I think especially offensively for the Jets, not only because it's a new head coach who's an offensive guy, not only because it's Sam Darnold in his second year, not only because they added Le'Veon Bell. I mean, there's a million reasons why. And you, and you want to know why the expectations are high? Because Adam Gase has made them high. 
for Luke Falk, you know what? I thought he did okay. I mean, he stood in there, and I, I look, folks, it is what it is. It's injuries, and uh, this is the NFL football season. It is a war of attrition, and right now the Jets are feeling the pain, and uh, they're going to feel it probably for another couple weeks until Sam comes back. What happened? What's, what's the well, problem with the quarterback? During the break, Ernie shared some unfortunate news. Now, with you me. Had, I read, I saw you had a strep throat. They sent him home for practice. So well, what's the Sam what's the Donald problem? will not play on Monday. Uh, he has mono and uh, could miss multiple weeks. Uh, mono. Isn't mono where you're always tired? Yes. For, and it lasts yeah. a while. Mono's months. Kids would have mono in school. They'd, be, they'd disappear for two months. We'd never see him again. So our football team is a joke, disgrace, laughing stock year after year. Anyway, Sam Darnold. I mean, everyone's anointing this guy as like the Jets' savior. Whether you like it or not, whatever the reason, that's two years he can't play 16 games. I don't really see any leadership qualities from this guy. Could be wrong on that. There's just, there's just a bunch of things. I'm looking right now at Adam Gaze, okay? Who should be fired today? I mean, I, I, they, we, why are we wasting our time with this brutal head coach. Let's start with that. They allowed this guy to sell them a bill of goods that he was the quote-unquote quarterback whisperer. Well, he did a lot of whispering to Sam Donald last night. Luke Falk looked better in the loss to the Patriots than Donald did yesterday. They should take care of Jamal Adams, sign him, give him a nice big contract. No-brainer, yes. Now, this rumor about this wide receiver. All right, let's see if your guessing skills, he wants the New York Jets, according to some reports. He wants Wants the the Jets. Jets. Correct. According to some reports. Uh, Okay, let's start with Julio Jones. Not quite. DeAndre Hopkins. No. A little more trouble. Oh, no. You're not telling me it's Beckham. Oh, I'm telling you it's Beckham, I want no part of him. Well, I'm with you a thousand percent. No freaking part of this guy. There it is, the radio.com red zone, if you will, the Jets season that was. You know, it's weird, Jason. They were seven and nine. I mean, they yeah. were seven and nine. That's that's not that bad. You know, it's like I think I thought maybe they'd be eight and eight, nine and seven. They're one of those teams that because they got off to such a bad start, you almost didn't realize that later in the year they ended up being 7-9. and nine. It, I guess that's why you play all 16 games. But after Darnold got mono and they lost those games and they were terrible early, I think everybody just kind of forgot about them and just thought they sucked. Well, Darnold got the mono and eventually came back. But then he was – remember he was seeing ghosts? Remember what the the came out with yeah. the the mic'd up thing and against the Patriots and look a lot of people have seen goats against Bill Belichick teams, but that wasn't a good look for him. But they did win three games in a row at one point and they kind of put it together a little bit and you know what's the next step in the progression? That's the big question for for the Jets now. Um, the fact that you know they, they they won more games than the Giants that's a good thing, right? <laughs> They're moving in the right direction. But I heard the questions there about Adam Gaze. And he's he's bizarre, but is he the right guy? I mean, that's like the big question for the Jets. And, and is he the right guy to get the most out of Sam Darnold is the other question. Because if Darnold is a legit franchise quarterback, then they're going to be a pretty good team moving forward. 
Now, Le'Veon Bell, you know, he had, what, like less than 800 yards on the season, but um, I, they could be moving in the right direction. They are actually less dysfunctional now to me than the New York Giants. And I agree, and I think it was Joe Beningo said, I want no parts of OBJ. I don't either if I'm the Jets. Well, I no want thanks. every part of Chad Pennington. Good friend of mine. Unbelievable career he had with the Jets and the Dolphins. Now he does so many good things for former players off the field. Chad, it's Ross Tucker, Jason Mertides. Really appreciate the time. Always great to talk with you. And it's funny, we're talking Jets, Chad. And I just said to Jason, I don't think anybody realizes they were 7-9. and nine. And when you start out 0-4, ending up 7-9 and is not that bad. Well, you're exactly right, Ross. Uh, that's exactly the feeling I think that everybody has, is that the Jets were worse than what they finished record-wise. Uh, we could certainly talk about where they need to improve, uh, what adjustments they need to make uh, to become a playoff contender. But I think being able to rebound and respond in the second half of the season the way they did, uh, Adam Gase and his staff deserve credit. Uh, an organization deserves some credit there uh, because it would have been really easy to turn that season into 3-13 and 13, um, when you're dealing with that type of emotion and that, that lack of success that they had early in the year. So to finish 7-9, and nine, I think uh, it was a, is a much better spot to be in, feeling good about the trajectory of your first year as a head coach. Hey, Chad, when you look at the team and you take that 0-4 start out, they went 7-5 and the rest of the way, the final 12 games of the season. But do they have the quarterback? Is Sam Darnold the guy to, to not only lead the Jets but handle the New York spotlight and all the things that come with it? You played in that city. It's not an easy city to play in, especially for a team that hasn't gotten it right now in so long. Well, we're asking that question about a 21-year-old. And so <laughs> uh, I think for anybody, uh, I think time will tell. And what you have to do is you have to go based upon your evaluation of film and how you evaluated the player coming into the draft, coming out of college. And uh, too many times in our league, we are trying to place an organization upon the shoulders of a 21- or 22-year-old youngster. Um, and to be able to make that decision right now, I think, is completely unfair. Now, when you watch him play, uh, do you see potential? Absolutely, we see potential. And that's, I think that's why people get excited. But then they're wanting to take that potential and turn it into a 10-year quarterback production. That's not going to happen right now. It, it's impossible to happen right now. And so, to me, the goals of the organization – is to look at the quarterback position and go, we have a bright young talent here. We have talent at the quarterback position that we can build around. And instead of asking about what he can or cannot do, how about focus on what we can give him to allow him to do something positive uh, with the position? That, that, to me, has to be the mindset. It cannot all be upon Sam Darnold. Tom Brady was not asked to win games as a third-year starter in this league, and they won a Super Bowl doing it that way. He wasn't asked to win games until the 2007 season when Randy Moss, Wes Welker, and all the weapons came in. And so there are ways to win and win effectively and be really, really good and win championships without completely asking your 21-year-old quarterback to do everything. Uh, to me, that's unrealistic. 
talking with Chad Pennington, longtime NFL quarterback. Now he's doing some great work for former players, among other things he's got going on. We'll get to that at the end. I did want to get your thoughts, Chad, on Adam Gase, sort of what you knew about him or thought of him before he became the Jets head coach and whether or not uh, you are confident that he's the right guy to be the head man of the Jets moving forward. My first conversation was, was uh, with Adam Gase was, uh, I think, around 2014 uh, when he was interested in the possibility of, of looking at the Miami Dolphins. I think he was in Chicago at that time, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong on the year. But uh, from that conversation moving forward, I have uh, developed a tremendous amount of respect for Adam, uh, just knowing uh, our conversations, our football conversations, as well as our people conversations, getting an understanding of how he views running a team and organization, and most importantly, of how he treats and operates with the quarterback position. I think in Miami, uh, there was every reason and every opportunity that Adam had to throw the quarterback under the bus, so to speak, to not support his quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. Adam never did that. He completely supported Ryan in his development and what they were trying to get accomplished. That is rare in our league, unfortunately. And there are only two men in an in NFL organization that carry records. That's the head coach and the quarterback. Those are the only two people that people ever talk about uh, the record of a team. And so I think he understands the importance of having a great relationship with your quarterback, of being transparent, being able to communicate, being able to support that position because it is the most difficult position in all of professional sports. And so I've always respected him for that, and I think he's carried that onto the Jets. And I think we saw Sam really make some strides under his leadership uh, and tutelage and just how he does things as far as approaching the quarterback position. Hey, Chad, your best season with the Jets, you had 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. You were sacked 22 times. Darnold last year was sacked 33 times. To have success at the quarterback position, you got to get protected. What do they got to do with that offensive line to get him protection so he can go down the field in, in a vertical offense? Well, certainly uh, you do look at your offensive line. You look, do look at the talent that you're bringing in and how uh, not only the talent you're bringing in, but how are you developing the offensive line talent. I will tell you, though, that um, – sacks and that type of stat and looking at protection is not all upon the offensive line. Um, it certainly comes to uh, your running backs, your tight ends, um, the ability of your receivers to recognize when there is pressure and breaking routes at the appropriate time, and then your quarterback understanding when to hold the football and extend the play and when to let the football go and throw it out of bounds to live to see another down. And unfortunately, in our world of fantasy football and how we try to individualize the game, um, we look at statistics and, and we see uh, sacks, but we, we just think that that's on the offensive line. And, or we look at a completion percentage and we say, well, the guy's at 61%. He must not be accurate. When we don't truly look at, well, did he have four throwaways in that game? Did he actually save his team from negative yards? And, and keep his team out of uh, negative situations when it came to field position. And so that conversation is so much deeper than on the surface just looking at uh, the offensive line play. Although I will say 
uh, you know, the organization needs to make sure that we're bringing in the right people to protect the quarterback or at least give the quarterback a chance to push the ball down the field. But there are certainly more moving parts to pass protection than just the offensive line. I'm curious, Chad, you, you know, you're one of the few guys that knows what it's like to be a quarterback in New York, but also somewhere else. Was there a big difference? And and, and if so, what were they between being the, the quarterback of the Dolphins versus the Jets? A complete difference, Ross, a complete difference. Uh, my first press press conference in Miami was completely different than any press conference I had in New York. And that's no uh, that's not taking a shot at Miami or any of the great reporters and journalists that are there. It is. It boils down to the volume of press within the New York market, um, where at any given point in your locker room in New York, there's you know possibly 60 to 80 um, journalists in your locker room. When I went to Miami, there was not that volume, and so when you have volume like that the intensity rises because the questions are more. And, and so when you take one topic and you have 10 reporters asking a question on one topic, and then you double that with 20 reporters asking a question on the same topic, you can imagine that there's 20 different uh, questions, um, that questions are presented 20 different ways compared to 10. So that intensity has been doubled. That scrutiny has been doubled. Um, you know, the, the talk about the question has been doubled. So uh, to say that there is no difference in New York, I would, I would have to disagree with someone who would say that because I've experienced it. And so that's part of the professional piece of being a quarterback in New York that we're asking Sam Darnold to automatically already have underneath his belt. That only comes through uh, experience good sound advice from people around you. I myself had a, a situation in 2004 where, uh, you know, I took, I quote, took the media on. It was not wise on my part, but I let my emotion get the best of me. From that point on, uh, I learned from that uh, mistake and, and really worked on my presentation and worked on how I could uh, interact with the media. Uh, now, we're having this conversation, and we haven't mentioned one thing about performance on the field and so you can see how all these factors go into being a professional quarterback number one but also being a professional quarterback in new york that's exactly where i want to go chad is you know winning in sports is the magic elixir it fixes everything so they go seven and nine over the or seven and five over their final 12 games last year if you remove that four games is this a team heading into the 2020 season, you know, barring this offseason, maybe an addition of an Odell Beckham Jr., a team that should be poised to make the playoffs in that division, contend for a division title with the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots? Is that a reasonable expectation? Well, if you take the exact same team from last year, I think that answer would be no. If you take – uh, the best parts of the team from last year and then add a few parts to it, I think then you could have uh, a realistic conversation about that expectation. Um, part of becoming a playoff contender is being seasoned as a team and going through experiences and being able to hold 
um, you know, crucial parts of your team together, being able to add other parts that can really add to the leadership piece and the chemistry piece of a team. That's one thing that we forget about with football. And why, I guess why we love the NFL so much is that it truly boils down to the 53 men in the locker room and how they come together. Um, and sometimes it doesn't have to do with an X and an O or a scheme to get that done. I've been on teams where we started off terrible and people were talking about the scheme and what we needed to do. And really what we did to fix it was our belief system. That happened to us in 2002 when I became the starter. People were talking about play calling and things like that. We won seven out of nine after starting two and five and won the division. And guess what? Our play calling got more conservative. But what changed was our belief system in making those plays work and believing in each other and uh, you know, really making it work as a team. So uh, to answer your question, yes, it can happen, but there's a lot of work to be done, first of all, in the front office and bringing in the right pieces for this specific team in 2020, as well as the work to be put in by the players to make it happen. Speaking of the work that's being put in, Chad, last question, then we'll get you out of here. Uh, last I checked, you were still working for the, the Players' Trust, uh, which was part of the last CBA, and you were coaching football. Are both of those still going on, and can you let the listeners and viewers know what you got going on and, and what you're getting out of both of those jobs? Absolutely. So a slight correction, I work as a consultant within the NFL Legends community, which is an umbrella of um, – Former players, we work as directors and coordinators within the community working in tandem with the league office to help our guys transition from the game uh, and use the programs and resources and benefits that are out there for them to have a successful transition into the next chapter of their life. Underneath that, we do work with the Players' Trust. I just got off the phone with, with one of the, the employees of the trust yesterday and helping three players find some resources that they were looking for. Uh, and so that's a collectively bargained agreement between the owners and the P and the, the union where this trust has been uh, so uh, it's been very successful in serving players with the six pillars that it has. Uh, with that, the Legends Youth Advisory Committee is one that I serve on as well with uh, 10 former players where we're looking at how we take the information uh, that we have at the NFL level and really push it down to our grassroots in youth and high school football because that's truly where the health of our game lies. So that's been really fun to be a part of and rewarding. And then finally, I did start a football program from scratch here in Lexington, Kentucky, small private school in downtown Lexington. Hasn't had football since 1976. And so that's been rewarding to really use the game of football uh, as a platform to develop our young student athletes. I think sometimes we don't talk enough about the core values of our game that can be so beneficial in developing uh, our young student athletes. And so I've really enjoyed that and teaching our, our kids on what accountability looks like and responsibility and teamwork and accepting constructive criticism and all these different things that our game just naturally provides that are, are so beneficial and vital to their success in life after football. So that's been rewarding as well. Man, that is awesome, Chad. And I don't know why I said trust. I knew you were part of the Legends community, but I also knew you worked <laughs> with them. But that's, that, that is awesome. Uh, keep up the great work, man. Always good seeing you in person. Appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. There he is, Chad Pennington, longtime NFL quarterback. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And the trust, Jason, was one of the things that came out of the last CBA with the players and the owners back in 2011. It looks like we're going to have a new CBA, but as the details come out, kind of feels like it's getting weirder and weirder. We'll explain when we return here to Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. It appears we will have labor peace in the NFL for the next 10 years and We will have two extra playoff games and a 17th regular season game. Probably. It is not official yet. But as of 1 a.m. Eastern time last night, this morning, I don't know uh, how you describe that. But the NFLPA put out a statement that the board of player reps had decided and voted to take the proposed CBA from the owners to the players for a vote. If a majority of the players vote in favor of this CBA, and I would be very surprised if they don't, it will pass. What's weird about it, though, Jason, is number one, I always wonder how much people really care about these details. And then number two, initially last Friday, it was voted down by the executive board six to five, the executive committee. So it never even got voted on by the board of player reps, which is one from each of the 32 teams. This time, even after the owners got rid of the cap on the 17th game, for the rich guys that want to make more than their 250 and rightfully so. I thought that was a strange term to have in the deal. It was voted four to seven, four in favor, seven against by the executive committee that negotiated the deal. And then it went to the board of player reps, 17 in favor, 14 against one abstained. So it will go to the entire membership of the NFLPA. And again, it's expected to be passed. But wow, Jason, I mean, just not a good look, right? That the guys that negotiated it, seven of them don't think it's ready to be recommended to be voted on by the players. And then by the players themselves, the team reps, Only 17 of the 32 said, yes, let's send it to all the players. 
I mean, you want to talk about every vote counting, Jason. Yeah, it's a divide, which is pretty shocking because you started out with the point that with the players that negotiated it, there was still a divide. And now it's going to go to the 2,000 uh, players in the league, and they need a simple majority to get it done, and they will. One of the things that uh, came out of the, the negotiation was that the $250,000 cap for the 17th game is going to be lifted. So it's going to be real interesting to see how this plays out. It's going to get – it. look, fans are going to be happy because they're going to get a couple of things. They're going to get another week of regular season football and one less week of the meaningless preseason. I don't like to have seen two preseason games gone because it is worthless, uh, other than the fact that Ross does the games in Philadelphia, which is great. Thank so, you. What is up <laughs> with all the preseason hate, okay? Those are tremendous broadcasts. People love watching those. And by the way, Boston Scott, Greg Ward, these are all the guys that ended up making plays for the Eagles to win the division. Why can't someone in this deal please think about the preseason broadcasters? We need a union. The preseason broadcasters need a union to be protected from all the hate from John Lopez, from you. Why are you trying to take the spoon out of my daughter's mouth. I am because trying I heard to you in the week one last year with no voice. Trying, you are trying to rip the spoon or the fork out of my children's mouth while they're just about to eat. Someone please think of the preseason broadcasters. Well, I'm thinking of you because I want you to get paid the same or more money just for less games because your voice was blown out in the first game last year and I could hardly stand listening to you. <laughs> I don't know what you were doing the week before if you were in like a strip club yelling, Woo! <laughs> you know what? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't drink. I wasn't sick. Nothing. I was so mad. I woke up the day before <laughs> and was like, what is going on? <laughs> I, I, you know, I've had other times, okay, where the voice was a little bit dicey, but I had had a big night the night before or yeah. whatever, right? I And it was the middle of the summer. Like, yeah. I, I, I didn't get it. I, I was so upset. It actually got better during that game, but that was disappointing to say the least. Yeah, well, well the other thing, to, the, to continue the point, though, the other thing that the fans get is they get more football. They they get a team that will maybe be in the mix longer because of the added playoff teams, and they'll also get another week of NFL football. And they get the, the peace of mind is the big thing. Ah, it comes over you like, I don't have to worry about going into a July, late July, August, and September wondering if my NFL is going to be there. That may be the greatest part, knowing that you have labor peace and that nothing is going to disrupt your rite of passage every year that the NFL is upon you in the fall as the pumpkin, the frost comes on the pumpkin. And like to me, like football and the fall go hand in hand. And if I have to worry that I'm not going to have my NFL and I love college football, I love it equally as much as I like the NFL because I love all the, the pomp and circumstance and the pageantry of college football. And I went to a big school that had great football at Penn State. So I, I'm totally into that. But I need both. I love both of them at that time of year and to know that I have labor peace for a decade. So the next time that I'll have any angst about labor peace, 
I'll be 58 years old and probably peeing in a diaper. So I'm excited about that part of it. Um, I don't. The one thing I don't like, and it makes no sense to me, Ross, and I voiced it on the show this week, is I can't imagine having a, a professional sports season with an odd number of games. To me, that makes no sense. <laughs> but it is what it is. I'll take it. I'll take the labor piece, and let's move forward. Yeah, the, the odd number of games is a little bit bizarre. I'm also surprised they're not adding another bye week, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. I thought that they would. And I thought the big positive would be that no team would ever lose a home game anymore to international games because I figured everybody would play a neutral site game Doesn't sound like that's the plan. Sounds like this extra game will be an interconference game and that one year the AFC will all have nine home games. One year the NFC will all have nine home games. And I guess that helps in terms of competitive advantage, right? Everybody in the same conference has nine home and eight away. I personally, though, was looking forward to more neutral site games. I thought that would be cool. And it sounds like if that's the case, then you'll still have teams that are losing home games to play internationally. Yeah, I mean, look, at the the year when you have the extra home game, fans will love it. They get an extra week to tailgate. And, you know, we know how important that is. Obviously, prices for season tickets, I, I guess they'll – do they go up because you have an extra regular season game, even though you had to pay for the preseason games before? But – that being said, I like the neutral site game idea in theory, but here's the problem, is that anytime you take NFL games out of NFL stadiums and NFL sanctioned stadiums, there is risk. Is the field going to be suitable for play, like in Mexico City? Is Can you play that many games internationally at Wembley, or if you're going to go to Ireland or Germany or wherever it might be? But can you find enough great neutral site locations that make all the sense in the world, like in Pennsylvania, where you could have the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Philadelphia Eagles, we'll meet in the middle of the state, and we'll play at Beaver Stadium. Like, that would be, you know, 110,000 rabid Steeler and Eagle fans congregating on State College. I got to admit, that would be off the charts. It would be incredible. Could they make it work, and would Penn State you know, come to the table to, to negotiate that? I don't know. They, they tried it in the NHL to do a Winter Classic or a Stadium Series game between the Flyers and the Penguins there because they knew it would be huge. But Penn State didn't want to dance. So can you get those negotiations and have those neutral site games that make a ton of sense? Like, would you love to see an NFL game at, uh, like, the Big House in Michigan or an NFL game at Notre Dame with the Colts and another team? Ross, that would be awesome. No, I would love that. I mean, if the Steelers played the Eagles at Penn State, that would sell out in all of two seconds. 110,000 people, done. Two seconds. It would be insane. Uh, But there are some concerns and blah, 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 blah. Uh, You know, it is interesting, though. I don't think people care that much about the CBA. I do wonder, though, how much people care about the XFL. Here it is Wednesday, Jason. 
We haven't talked about it yet this week, but that's not that unusual. We didn't talk about Wilder Fury. We didn't talk about the Astros stealing signs. I mean, certain things get pushed back. The XFL ratings went down again. Double-digit drops again. But to me, it still seems like a decent amount. You know, I mean, when you look at it, they went from averaging 3.1 million in week one, 2.1 million in week two, 1.61 million in week three. But it was the first weekend where two of the games were on cable rather than broadcast, which makes a big difference. One of the games is ESPN. One of the games was FS1. And I guess to me, 1.6 million people on average still watching a, a that sounds like a lot. I, I wish we just knew how much they needed for it to be a successful venture. Because I would imagine it'll keep dropping. I guess I just wonder how much it'll drop. We don't really know. What is the tipping point of where it's no longer profitable is the question you're asking. And it's going to keep, it's an alarming trend for the XFL. You would hope that, you know, you're going to get an initial curiosity look in, but here's the deal. The curiosity look in didn't hook people. That's a problem. When you go from 3.1 to 2.1 week one to week two, and then yet another 500,000 slide to week three. And I, I get it's on cable, but people that want to watch football, find a way to watch football. Uh, it's alarming. If that trend continues, it's going to be off the air because it's not sustainable. And to, I'm one of those people that was curious in week one, didn't hook me. I'm out. I like, I don't know what they can do to re to earn me back in, but it's going to take a ton. There's a lot going on. You got the NCAA tournament and March Madness coming up. That's another deterrent. I, I've got the NHL and NBA playoffs on the horizon. That's another deterrent. I, I just I can't fit the XFL. Plus, I don't like generic cereal. It's not as good as the NFL. It's not even close. Not only that, but the league year is going to start in a week and a half. I'm going to have NFL free agency. Then I'm going to start my build up to the draft and watching Mel Kiper and and all those you know, draft honks, giving me all the latest on who's going to go where and not getting any of them right, but I'm going to consume as much of it as I can because I want to know how Team X is going to improve in the draft or Team Y, who's going to move up based on what they did this week and how they scored on the Wonderlick at the Combine. The NFL is feeding me still. I'm still being fed by the greatest league in the world. Why do I want to have, like, Bobo cereal? I don't want it. Yeah, I I totally get that. I I think it's uh, I think it's in trouble. I really yep. do. Speaking of in trouble, how about the tweet that Russell Wilson just sent out, Jason? Seven minutes ago, the at NBA and Major League Baseball are doing it right. Players come first. All NFL players deserve the same. We should not rush the next 10 years for today's satisfaction. I vote no. Whoa. That's yeah. a whoa. Well, when it comes from him, that is it's a, a that big is time a whoa. Major, that is a major, major whoa. And that could have a big impact 
on the rank and file when they do choose to ultimately vote on this, if more guys speak out against it like this, and my my issue with this is that he, like J.J. Watt, does not represent the vast majority of players. And he, like J.J. Watt, can afford even to miss games. They can afford to have the leverage to say, you know what, we're not doing this until we get a better deal. The problem is, even guys like Russell Wilson and J.J. Watt, when it actually comes to it, and the paychecks are coming, and they're missing out on their $2 million per game, I wonder if they're really going to hold fast to that. I wonder if they're really... I think that they're looking at baseball and the NBA, and they are thinking that their bargaining position is as strong as those other sports, those other athletes. And I would submit to you it's not because of the difference in guaranteed contracts, the shorter careers. He at least gave a little bit more information than J.J. Watt did. But what's going to end up happening is the super rich guys like Russell Wilson, J.J. Watt, they're going to end up hurting a lot of the middle and lower class players that the union is trying to represent more than anybody else. Well, I will give him credit because his yearly cash due for the 2020 season is $53 million in total. So at least he's not doing it in a year when, you know, is a backdiving contract where he's saying that. But you're right. He's already made a ton of money. He's going to make a ton more. Um, and he doesn't represent the majority. You know, a lot of guys are going, yeah, that's great, Russ. I get it. But here's the problem. I haven't made the loop that you make. When I go to my bank account, it doesn't smile back at me like yours does. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it's easy for him to say that, and it's easy for the one percenters. He's a one percenter in the NFL. A lot of guys aren't. They're not making that kind of money. They don't, they're not set up for life like Russell is. So it, he might be met with a little bit of anger from some of the other members of the union about about that tweet. He's entitled to his opinion, but he might be met with a little bit of anger, I would imagine. Uh, yes, I, I'm not happy about it at all. And yeah. it doesn't. And you love him. Really. A, it, I love Russell Wilson. Yep. And it does not affect me really right like the whenever they do get the new deal done the pension will go up right my pension will go up and i'm not eligible for the pension until i'm 55 anyway and i wouldn't i'm going to push that back till i'm 60 or 65 cuz you get a lot more money from it anyway so i'm not you know it doesn't really affect me but it will negatively affect a lot of former players and a lot of the vast majority of players. If guys that have made over a hundred million dollars like Russell Wilson push back on it enough that it gets voted down. 
it'll affect a lot of Ross Tuckers that are in the league now. You didn't make that kind of money when you played. You would have loved to have made that kind of money. But it's going to affect a lot of guys that were in the league that that, that did what you did. And that's that's the, the really the, the the rub here. That's the part where, man, he's got a big voice and a huge platform, five and a half million Twitter followers, and he's got a lot of influence. But, well, if I'm some of those players, I'm going, okay, dude, I guess that we're going to have to hit up Russell uh, – uh, Russ's loan service. <laughs> if I'm going without paychecks, you giving out low interest loans, Russ? Because I'm going to line up to get one. Yeah, it's it's just I, I'm very surprised that he would take such a strong stance on it. Publicly. And again, is, is he even is he even part of the negotiations? You know what I mean? Like, is he even a player rep? I don't know. Yeah, to my know. knowledge, he's not. Very, very interesting. You're talking about a guy that has already made $109 million. I feel like this topic may not be going away now. We'll be talking about it, I feel like, until this vote happens. And if more players like Russell Wilson speak out, there's a much greater chance that this won't get ratified and that we might not have labor peace. We'll talk about that tomorrow Plus, we got one of the most unbelievable nicknames we've ever had and a lot more when it comes to the quarterback carousel. And how about the combine? We haven't even gotten into the combine yet. We'll do that tomorrow here on Home and Home Radio.com Sports Original. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.